0: Hey there, I'm Steven Kruger on School of Hollywood.
1: Hey, Steve, it's great to have you here uh, on School of Hollywood. Uh, you've been very active on the originals and Roswell, and now you've got a new Showtime uh, show called uh, Yellow Jackets coming out on the 14th. Yeah. Um, how do you manage all of this? Because are you shooting simultaneously two series?
0: No, no. Thankfully, um, I was incredibly fortunate, actually, over the last year to, uh, to work out both shows. You know, the, the pandemic, as I'm sure you know, kind of threw everything absolutely haywire in, in the business. And um, it, that used to be a thing that actors were able to do when we could kind of bounce back and forth between two shows. And, uh, you know, you would shoot one for a few days and fly to shoot the other one. But of course, with all the COVID restrictions, uh, that's kind of a thing of the past. So I was incredibly lucky to just happen over the last year um, to have these two shows work out with the scheduling and the timing where I went and shot Roswell in um, starting in October of last year through about April of this year and then uh, and then had three days to drive myself from New Mexico to Vancouver um, and start up on Yellow Jackets for another six months. So it's been, it's been two shows, about six months each, back to back, and, uh, and here we are. Whoa. <laughs> so what is your typical morning like? That's a great question. Um, I think the best answer is I don't really have a typical morning. Um, you know, that's kind of the beauty of being in this industry is nothing is ever really the same. And and I do try to give myself some structure on a daily basis. I think that that one of the worst things people in a creative business can do when they're not you know necessarily going into an office every day from nine to five is is have no structure whatsoever. So um, you know, everything else being equal. I love waking up early. Um, I love getting a, you know, a jump on the day. So if I'm out of bed by, by seven or so, that's great. Um, I always try to exercise and get my, you know, get my workout out of the way early in the day, because, you know, as those hours bleed away in the day, you just, you get more and more tired, you know, four o'clock rolls around you think, eh, we're, we're going to skip the exercise today. Um, you know, try to eat. And then, and then I usually have, I'm, I'm a sucker for to-do lists. Um, I don't, I don't know if it's like the way my brain works, but like I have lists everywhere. So, almost every night before I go to bed, I've got a list for the next day. And once I kind of get my my workout out of the way, I, I have a nice breakfast, um, then I'm down and I'm on my to do list. So that could last anywhere from like an hour to, you know, six hours, depending on how much I do that day. And then of course, you get to sprinkle in all the fun stuff like auditions and reading scripts and things like that. And by the end of the day, you're like, wow, I did I did quite a bit today. Or sometimes wow, I really didn't do anything today. <laughs> I can go for Well, I'll
1: tell you, I found a great uh, a day planner that has a to, to-do list, uh, Moleskine, which is great for little notebooks. They now have one called The Journal. Uh, which is great. It has little alarms that go off, and you can put your mood in. I'm in a good mood, bad mood today. Oh, that's uh, great. Yeah, yeah I,
0: a, out. I'm, I love Moleskin products. I mean, my, that would actually help me because I have lists like everywhere. They're on my computer. They're on my phone. They're written on my on my fridge. You know, on the board. So I, I need to find <laughs> a way to kind of consolidate them.
1: I don't know about seeing it on your watch, but that's a you know a different story. Um, you, you have had success very fast in your career. And what do you think has attributed to that success?
0: You know, I, I, it's interesting. People, people say that. And I think, um, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure I agree that, that the success has come all that fast. I think that that's, that's a common conception that people have when they, you know, all of a sudden you'll see an actor kind of pop on screen over, over the course of a year or two. And, and they'll have a few different shows in the works at one time. And you'll say, oh, wow, this guy kind of came out of nowhere. And then, you know, one of, one of the favorite games that one of my acting coaches used to play was okay, who's, who's one of your favorite actors? Now name the first thing you can remember that actor in. And like nine times out of 10, you then go to IMDb and look at that person's resume. And it's like, they started about 10 years before that first thing you can remember them in. Um, and that always really that always really sat with me. So I, you know, I think people would, would do the same with me where it's like, oh, wow, Steven Kruger kind of came out of nowhere. And, and all of a sudden he's on TV a lot recently. And then they look at my thing and I've been working for you know about 10 years or so. Um, but I do think what I attribute a lot of it to is, I, I never planned on being an actor. Um, I had planned on going to law school. I went to college, I, you know, I'd studied all the typical pre-law stuff, you know, government and history and economics, all, all that boring stuff. Um, and when I got out of college and found myself in Los Angeles and, you know, long story short, ultimately decided to, to pivot and, and be an actor because I did it growing up and loved it so much, yada, yada. Um, I already had that mentality that it should be a full-time job, whether you're actually working on a set or not you have to treat it like a full-time job. And I saw so many actors when I was first starting out where their kind of quote unquote work on any given day would really only happen if they had an audition or if they had an acting class to go to that night when they would work on their stuff for the acting class. And for me, you know, I was, I was living with friends who had normal jobs, you know, normal day jobs, they would get up and go to work and come home at night. And I always just felt like kind of a schmuck if they got home at night after a long day of work and said, hey, what did you do today? And I didn't really have an answer, you know, I sat on the couch or I went out to lunch with a friend, you know, so from, I think from the start, I, I really felt like it should be a nine to five job. Even if I don't have anything concrete that I have to do, you know, I don't have to be at an audition. I don't have to do a rehearsal for a play or a class or whatever it is. I would wake up and I would make stuff up for myself to do, whether it was reading scripts or, you know, getting together with friends and reading through a play or, you know, anything that would keep me active throughout the day. and. I think that did a number of things. One, it just kept me grounded, um, and you know, kept me away from the, you know, the scene where you kind of go out and and do the thing that a lot of actors do when they first start out, which is network you know, which essentially just means like going to a bar on a Tuesday night. Um, you know, I, I love, I loved that when I was starting out and it was like, oh, I've got to go to this party on Tuesday night. Why? Well, there's going to be some producers and some people there. Okay. And then you get out of bed at noon the next day. Um, so I, I You know, I, I always avoided that trap and just found myself in a place where mentally I needed to find something to do on any given day to, to kind of feel productive. And I think that, you know, having that, foundation i think was a was a great way to start off in this career
1: yeah actually i had some great advice from uh, uh dean who produced uh, independence day he said uh uh if a producer's at a bar he's
0: not a producer <laughs> <laughs> it, Exactly. yeah exactly yeah working producers don't tend to go to bars on tuesday nights either you know?
1: <laughs> exactly uh so on roswell how many people now come up to you and ask you if you've seen aliens
0: that's a good that's a good question. Luckily, luckily I, you know, it's been, I did Roswell during the pandemic, so I haven't had a whole lot of contact with uh, with people in the outside world since Roswell has aired, but I do know that that's like it's like it's like when I did the originals and people would say, "Well, oh, our vampires real?" And of course, the answer is always yes. And so did you see any aliens while you were in Roswell? I saw some great, I saw some great fake ones. I'll tell you that. And then, you know, if I did see any real ones, they were very well disguised.
1: Yeah. So are you going to do the whole junket tour of of going and signing autographs
0: at uh, uh, alien conventions? Oh yeah, I've been doing that since the uh, since the early days of the of the originals with uh, you know the fan conventions and whatnot. And they're uh, you know they've been a little bit different, obviously, over the past year and a half with everything kind of shifting into this virtual world that we're in right now. Um, but they are starting to come back. Uh, in fact, there's there's one in, in the United Kingdom um, that I'm going to in a couple of weeks. And uh, yeah, things are kind of shifting back towards that in person mode, which which is nice for us. I you know I always kind of thrive on actually being there with fans and getting to meet them and and talk to them and all that kind of stuff. So it'll it'll be a nice transition back slowly, I'm sure.
1: So going back to the originals, uh, you obviously had to do a network test and Mm. you were handed a contract saying you're going to make several thousand dollars a year. Um, And you're looking at those big numbers and going, Oh God, I got to walk into this room. What was going through your
0: head and what happened in the room? So I got really lucky with the originals because the originals was a unique situation. I actually didn't have to do that process for the originals like I have for, for a number of other shows. The originals, I actually started out um, as a recurring guest star. And initially it was my, my role was supposed to be, uh, I remember when they first cast me, they said, oh, this is gonna be about three or four episodes. Um, and at the time I thought, oh, great, cool. You know, that sounds, that sounds fun. Um, and then I got to Atlanta and that three or four episodes turned into 10 episodes. And then that turned into the entire first season. Um, and so I was very fortunate. I was able to just go from a recurring guest star and then they made me a series regular after I was already on the show. So I didn't have to go. And that's, for any young actor, I highly recommend that route. It is just—it <laughs> is just so much less stressful, you know. And it's a—and it's a nice, pleasant surprise when they come to you and they say, "Hey, we'd like you to join this show full time." Um, so that was a—that was a wonderful situation, and—and and I remember thinking when I got there, I thought this is a really nice group of people. I'd love to, you know, continue working. And I was fortunate that it kind of just clicked, you know, when I got there and it was supposed to be those few episodes and then I was supposed to die. Um, it just, it felt right. You know, it felt like I was playing a character that they needed on the show and and everything just kind of fit like a, like a really nice puzzle. And, and I ended up being there for, you know, all five seasons of the show. Um, but to answer your question, yeah, it is, I got to imagine it's like anything else where you're under high pressure situation, whether it's athletes, you know, playing in the Super Bowl or the finals of whatever sport they're in and you see, you know, these big numbers in front of you and then you somehow have to go in there and perform in front of all these people wearing suits and know that if they say yes, your life is going to change instantly. And I, I'll be totally honest, I still haven't figured it out. I still don't know exactly how to handle those situations. I think the best you can do is have some experience with it. You know, once you go through it two, three, four, five times um, and you say, okay, great. I've been through this before. I know that it's not a big deal. Chances are, it's going to be a no at the end anyway. And if it happens to be a yes, amazing. My life will change, but you just, it's one of those things you have to go through before you really know how to handle it. Cause there is, there is no advice that anybody can give that's going to make it any easier for somebody the first one or two times that they go through it. Absolutely. So tell me
1: about this new show, Yellow Jacket. You're getting to work with some uh, Oscar winners.
0: Yeah, I mean, incredible cast, which, which isn't even actually what, what drew me to the project in the first place. Um, the, so just, just to kind of give everybody a, a heads up, the, the show, the premise of the show is ostensibly very simple. It's um, essentially a group of high school girls soccer players um, who crashes um, in the mountains on their way to a, to a tournament. And they're forced to survive out in the wilderness for about a year and a half or so before they're actually rescued. And the unique element of our show is it kind of bounces back and forth between two different timelines. So you've got the, the crash that happens in 1996 um, when we're all stranded out there in the wilderness. And then it flashes forward to present day, which is about 25 years later, when, uh, you know, the few remaining survivors are all grown up and they're having to kind of deal with all the repercussions of what happened out there in the wilderness, you know, still 25 years later. Um, and so it's, it's a really unique show. And the first thing that actually drew me to it was the names on the script uh, as far as who, who had written it. Um, Ashley Lyle and Bart Nickerson are two writers that I worked with on the originals from the very beginning. And, um, interestingly enough, those two are kind of the ones that got me on the originals for the entire run of the show. When I first showed up and, and started doing episodes for the originals, they were the two writers, um, along with a couple of others who really championed my character and said, Hey, I think, you know, I think this guy fits on this show. And I think we should keep him around for longer than we had had planned. Um, and I loved working with them on the originals. They were, you know, they're amazing writers. It was their first job, but I could just see like they were going places. Um, and so when they left the show after season three, uh, it was really disappointing. And I, and I, I said to them, I remember saying, Hey, I really hope we can, we can find a place to work together again. Um, I didn't think it would be this soon, you know, it was just, just a few years later that this script came into my inbox and I thought, oh my gosh. And when I read the script, it was truly one of the best pilot scripts I had read in probably five years at that point. It was just, it was so unique and so nuanced and the world that they had created was just so rich and you could really visualize it as you were reading the script. Um, and I was hooked immediately and then once they told me who they had attached to the project and who they had starring in it, you know you've got Melanie Linsky and Christina Ricci and Juliette Lewis and Tony Cypress and a number of incredibly talented but still up and coming you know people that probably most don't know these these young talented women that I worked with. Um, I mean, I was so sold and I just (laughs) I just remember saying to Ashley and Bart, like, hey, what whatever you need me to do to get in on this, I will do it. And um, luckily, it just it was another kind of perfect fit and super fortunate that it that it worked out because the project is is unbelievable. I'm so excited for people to see it. What kind of preparation do you do uh, working on your character? This one was unique. This was a little bit different. Um, You know, I play Ben Scott. Uh, Ben Scott is the assistant coach of the the girls' soccer team. And uh, it's interesting for a few different reasons in the story. Number one, he's actually the only adult that kind of survives the plane crash. So he finds himself in a situation where he's stuck out here in the wilderness with a bunch of teenage girls for the most part. And, uh, and he's kind of the only leader, he's the only authority figure that they have out there. Um, you add on top of that, the fact that Ben Scott is also kind of seen as, you know, one of the quote, unquote, hot teachers at the school. So he's kind of the the object of desire and some unrequited crushes, you know, from some of the girls, which just adds a whole other interesting, interesting element <laughs> of the dynamic. Um, and then, you know, without giving away too many spoilers, Uh, Ben Scott also suffers a a pretty traumatic injury in the plane crash. And so he's having to deal with that at the same time that he's, you know, being looked to from these girls as a leader and, you know, hopefully having some answers for them to to be able to survive. And he's kind of dealing with his own thing. So there's a lot of really interesting twists and turns and juxtapositions that that Ben Scott goes through. Um, And as far as preparation goes, the reason this was unique was because of that, that injury that I suffer. And I really wanted to make sure that I, that I portrayed it as authentically and realistically as possible. So I spent a lot of time researching it and figuring out, you know, not just the physical effects of, of a trauma like that, but also the emotional and the psychological effects that a person goes through when they suffer through something like that. It
1: sounds like you're doing your homework. I got to tell you, I watched the trailer. And in the trailer, it reminded
0: me of a quality of a Stephen King movie. Yeah, I'm, that's, I'm glad that you picked up on that. Um, I, I think you know it's funny I've been I've been kind of casually paying attention to some of the reactions to the trailer and and we've received honestly an, an overwhelmingly positive response I think to, to the number of trailers that have been out there I think people are excited to watch the show but I will say it's funny to see some of the comments and see people misinterpret what the show actually is. And I think that's by design. You know, Mm -hmm. I think Showtime has done a great job of making it look like it's gonna be a show about one thing when really it it crosses so many different genres. You know, there's of course the the survival story um, and the coming of age story, which, you know, is these, these young women figuring out how to grow up very, very quickly in a set of dire circumstances. But the aspect that you picked up on, which I love, is this psychological horror aspect as well. Um, which, which starts to appear pretty early on. And it's really cool. It's subtle at first, and then it kind of becomes a, a bit more in your face. And again, I don't want to give anything away, but it's one of those things where it makes the audience go, what's going on here? You know, is, there, is, is everything as it seems? Is there something else going on behind the scenes that we don't know about? Or are these people just losing their minds because of the situation that, that they're in? And it does a really great job of kind of, you know, towing that line and and dragging people back and forth, um, and it just it just adds another element to the show that I think makes it so interesting.
1: No, it was absolutely great, to, and was, I'm looking forward to actually watching it. What advice would you give uh, some young kids
0: uh, growing up in the the entertainment industry? It's a great question. Um, I really think, again, alluding to what I was talking about earlier, I really think that this is an industry that oftentimes is seen as different than a lot of other industries. And I think people come into it expecting to have to do things differently as far as, you know, how to work their way up the the ladder. And I don't actually think that it is. I really don't think the entertainment industry is that much different than any other industry anybody would go into, whether you're an accountant or a lawyer or a doctor. It's still a process of figuring out what you need to study Figuring out how the best way to train is, you know, finding people that you can study with and learn about acting, and then just and then just working and occupying yourself with this, and not having it be—I think the biggest mistake that I see so many young actors make is this doesn't have their full attention. You know, it's it's one of those things where they say, oh, "I'm going to try it for a couple of years," which is actually what I did. Um, you know, my plan was to try this for a couple of years, and then if it didn't work out, okay, great, no big deal. I tried it. I'm going to go to law school now. And I got some really pressing advice from uh, a family friend who's a who's a big producer in the industry. And he sat me down when I told him that plan, he kind of laughed at me. And he said, he said, Look, if, if this is your plan to try it for a couple of years, no offense, but don't bother, you know, just go to law school, get on with your life. Because that's not how this industry works. It's not a try it for a few years thing and see how it goes because nothing will happen. And I remember very bluntly asking him, okay, well, how long? You know, like how long do I actually have to give it? And without blinking, oh my God, I will never forget this because it terrified me at the time. He said 10 years. And I thought, oh no, what? 10 years is a long time. You know, if it doesn't work out after 10 years, all of a sudden here I am. And I, you know, I've got to start my life over and I'm in my thirties and you know, what am I going to do? But he was right. And the reason he was right is because it takes a while to figure out a few things. Number one, are you any good at it? You know, I think that, that you can have a lot of training and a lot of, uh, you know, you can put a lot of time into your craft and you might just, you just might not have that internal thing that allows you to go out there and just be free. A lot of people do, a lot of people don't. So are you any good at it? Do you actually like it? You know, I know a lot of people who are professional actors and they don't actually like what they do. They started at a very young age and kind of got forced into it. And this is how they make money and they don't really like it. And that's not sustainable either. Um, and then the third thing is can you deal with the kind of roller coaster, you know, the peaks and the valleys, the ups and the downs, the having money, not having money, all of that kind of stuff. And it does. It takes it takes a long time to figure all that stuff out. So to boil all this down, I would say my best advice is commit to it and make sure that you are working on it every single day, like it's your full-time job. How long did it take you to become a serious regular? How many years? Great question. Um I got my first series regular about four, I think about four years in, I should correct that four years in from my first job, I spent once I decided to do this, I spent about two or three years just studying and training um, and going to class, you know, to make sure that I had some sort of foundation uh, other than the high school work that I had done. Um, So if we're talking whole career, probably like six or seven years before I got from my first series regular. And then that show didn't get picked up. So it was a good probably eight years before I was on a show as a series regular that was actually airing. So the, the advice that you got is pretty darn accurate. I mean, pretty darn accurate. Yeah. yeah. And I think about it all the time. And I think, you know, had I and, I and I there were, of course, so many times that I wanted to quit and just be like, this isn't worth it. You know, I'm so stressed out. I'm seeing all of my friends back home go to law school and, and get married and make all this money and buy houses. And I'm sitting here renting apartments in LA and like hustling for auditions. And they're asking me when I'm going to be on a billboard. You know? <laughs> it's like, that's just that's not, not how this works. Like, I don't know how to explain it, but that's just not how this works. Uh,
1: well, Steve, I really appreciate you being on the school of Hollywood. Where can people
0: find you in social media? Yeah. So social media, I I primarily do uh, Twitter, even though I do have an Instagram. So um, across the board, I'm at Stephen A. Kruger. Stephen with a V and Kruger is K-R-U-E-G-E-R at Stephen A. Kruger.
1: Perfect. I really appreciate you being here and best of luck on the series. And I can't wait to see see the uh, two new seasons of both shows. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Steve. Appreciate being here. Anytime.